Hey, podcast listeners. Thanks for joining us for the All Saints Lutheran Sermon Series of Podcasts. We're so delighted that you've landed on this page, and we ask that you contextualize yourself by reading the descriptor. Enjoy, and let us know what you think. The Gospel for today is from Matthew chapter 25, beginning at the first verse. Jesus tells a parable about his own second coming, emphasizing the need for readiness at all times. Jesus said to the disciples, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout, Look! Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Have a seat. Well, good morning, saints and siblings. Good morning. I wrote in here a few years ago, I worked for the YWCA, and as I look at the page, I realize it was closer to 30. (laughs) (laughs) I was a leader in the program that was called the Latchkey Program. Had any of you ever been a part of that? Right. So it was our role to take care of students between the end of summer school and when their parents could pick them up after work. Thus the name Latchkey, a safe place for kids to come so that they would not end up alone at home. I remember one day after a rainstorm, we were making our way uh, from a park to play for a while, and on the way back, the little girl said to me, Sometimes it always rains at my house. (laughs) Which is a phrase now that we use around our house when we're not sure what we're thinking or feeling about something. Sometimes it always rains at my house. I love phrases by kids. I still don't know what she meant by that, but I get that she wanted to get some words to fit together, to connect with me. Another person who had phrases like this was Yogi Berra, a great baseball player back in the day, but also a guy who seemed to be mixed up sometimes in his words. Still, some of his quotes are just too awesome to pass up for you all today. Nobody goes there anymore. It's too crowded. (laughs) You can observe a lot just by watching. (laughs) 
You better cut the pizza in four pieces because I'm not hungry enough to eat six. <laughs> it gets late early out there. It's like deja vu all over again. The future ain't what it used to be. But my favorite one is when you come to the fork in the road, take it. <laughs> I mentioned this last one because I was raised in a tradition where I was told that if you prayed hard enough during a time of uncertainty, God would tell you what to do. It would all be laid out very clearly for you. Or at least that's what my brain interpreted back in the day. I was someone who wanted to do the right thing all the time. And if I didn't know what to do, I believed that if I prayed hard enough, God would reveal to me what I should do. Anyone else ever have that feeling? Yeah, okay. Now, before you think that I am saying that prayer is a bad idea, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that I have shifted my understanding of prayer from the giant vending machine of God to the God who hears me, even if I'm still not quite certain of what I need to do in any given situation. Here you'll see that the Godomatic is actually out of order. However, before it went out of order, you thought you might be able to get real Bible faith or pure joy, or general redemption, or godly righteousness, or supernatural provision, spiritual deliverance, and all the rest that you see up on your screen. What I have learned, especially during times of uncertainty, is that God is before me, God is beside me, God is behind me, and God is within me. I get an amen for that. Amen. Wherever I go, I do not go alone. Or as my wife Beth told me, when you come to the fork in the road, take it. No, I mean, she said to me, no matter which direction you go, know that God is going to go with you no matter what. Victoria Larson wrote, the Revised Common Lectionary text for this day, November 12th. Don't hesitate to drop readers into the most fraught questions of Advent. What will it be like when the Lord comes? Paul doesn't want us to worry about it. It's never too late, he says. It's his attitude as he reassures the church at Thessalonica. The Lord himself will descend from heaven, and we will be with the Lord forever. By the way, that goes for the foolish bridesmaids as well as the wise. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus compares the kingdom of heaven to the arrival of a delayed bridegroom. The uncomfortable image of the bridal attendants shut out the wedding feast is paired with an ominous ambiguity that Jesus offers his listeners Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day 
nor the hour. These texts use uncertainty as a prevailing theme when it comes to how humanity relates to time, and especially to that pivotal moment known as the Day of the Lord. We don't know what the Day of the Lord is going to be like. We don't know when it's coming. We don't know whether we should want it or whether we should dread it or even how to prepare for it. Some of us may be unsure whether we believe in the day of the Lord at all. How can we hold our own uncertainty along with our faith in Christ who has promised to come again? It's particularly a fraught question for preachers. I struggle to preach uncertainty. I'm so used to tracing narratives of hope, of preaching Good Friday while knowing that Easter Sunday is coming. Jesus telling of this parable suggests that he himself yearns to interpret this narrative of certainty. After all, he preaches the parable of the bridal attendants in the last week of his life. He is piqued at the ending, too. He knows what's coming. It's new life, for me and for you. He knows that he'll be raised, that hell will be harrowed, and death will be conquered, and the power of sin will be broken. Knowing all of this, he still preaches this parable, apparently meant to leave us guessing until the end, because that's kind of what Jesus does. What's next? Jesus seems to be asking us to enter into uncertainty. Do you think, saints and siblings, that uncertainty can be a kind of ministry? Uncertainty, used responsibly, can help us find a point. We have known the feeling of, it's never too late. It appears as denial, complacency, desperation, a dying person who refuses to write a will, a spouse who won't hear the pleas of their partner for necessary change, a congregation that keeps postponing engagement with its surrounding community. We have also known the sense of, it's already too late. It appears as apathy, paralysis, or despair. The declining congregation that resists all change because it can't see the point. The person whose experience of trauma has convinced them that nothing can ever be different. The relationship that is withering because one party has decided it's over but hasn't yet left. (coughs) Uncertainty occupies the middle ground between these two ends of the spectrum. When we admit that we cannot know what the future holds and honestly acknowledge both the power of our choices and the limits of our influence, then our future, whether read as the biblical day of the Lord or as the next five years of a church community, becomes something for God to enter, not something for us to try to control. Do you see where that went there? That is the power of community. That is actually what the call committee is doing right now. They're entering into this time of uncertainty. 
And they are advocating for this congregation to find just the right person at just the right time in a time of uncertainty. And they're prayerfully doing this minute by minute by minute. Is it hard work? It is hard work. Is it heavy work? It is heavy work. Is it spirit-led? It is absolutely spirit-led. God enters in and transforms us. And we don't have to try to control everything. We can trust that God will be beside us, ahead of us, behind us, and within us. Cultivating and living into uncertainty is hard and it's beautiful work. It's what I would call brutal. It looks like the Christian who vacillates between doubt and faith, doing their best and knowing that it's not good enough, but trusting that God's grace might just be enough. It looks like a created world that is groaning with the pain of humanity and those causes of climate change, yet still hoping for restoration and resurrection. It looks like a dying congregation that intentionally designates its bequest to support other ministries, knowing that its own closure might not be the very end of its ministry. It also looks like the shrinking congregation that begins a new ministry whose primary goal is not to increase membership, but to heed to the gospel call. The uncertainty that Jesus offers does not nudge us towards paralysis or apathy, but rather toward an active participation in the world that God desires to shape. Amen? Amen. All right, my question for you is, what does that look like for all saints? You don't need to answer right now. I kind of feel like you might need to marinate in that question. But what does that look like for all saints? And what does that look like for you? Let me know when you get a chance. And for this good news during uncertain times, we can all say, Thanks be to God.